really reflecting on the cross that this moment, this morning, is more powerful as we go through this, this whole cycle. So Jesus, yes, he lived this perfect, sinless life. He died on the cross. He descended into hell. He disarmed authorities and powers and principalities, it says in Colossians. And the Father raised him from the dead. He ascended to the throne of God, and that's where his blood paid this eternal price for sin. He interacted with and, and uh, uh, talked and, and showed up to people face-to-face, as many as 500 at one time, it says. So we have this resurrection that tells us that we can experience new life. We can be born again. And I want to talk today about this process, this whole thing of death, burial, and resurrection that's deeply woven into our world. It's woven into our our individual lives. It's woven into the story of the Bible. So really valuable things are a struggle, right? The most significant things that we've attained in our life came from hard work. The best teams I've been on in my life are teams that, that suffered together. And our dreams go through a test. When we really want something, the, the more we want it, I, I, here's for the mathematicians, the scientists, uh, the bigger the sine wave, okay? Sine wave. It's this oscillating wave you see uh, in science. There's, a, there's a, a valley and a peak to this thing. And the, if we have small dreams, we start off and there's discouragement sometimes we go through and then there's some process before we get to this realization. But the big dreams in our life, you know, thinking about some uh, venture that you've been hoping for in, in business or career or uh, maybe a vision for impacting someone else's life or impacting a part of the city or maybe a dream for a child, these huge things have huge oscillations in our life. There's great expectation, and often there's so much that we go through in this process. So we see death, burial, and resurrection throughout our lives. We see it in nature. You know, this is the story of the the caterpillar just kind of wandering along, didn't think that much was going to happen, and then they go into this cocoon. We think it's dead, and what happens on the other side of it? This amazing resurrection, this beauty that's revealed. So we see death, burial, and resurrection in the caterpillar. We see it in our seasons. In the fall, this beautiful fall, but all those colors changing mean death. There's something that's coming to a close. And winter is this burial process. And we think it's never going to end. And then, how many of you have seen some gorgeous flowering tree this morning. We say, resurrection, it's spring. It's coming back again. So uh, we see this death, burial, and resurrection. It's, it's deeply woven into nature. We see it in the Old Testament. So how many of you know the story of Abraham and Isaac? This child was promised. And it was amazing because... Uh, they, he was old. His wife was old. 
They thought, this is impossible. And then he had a son. And all of their dreams, this hope, this promise that Isaac, not just any son, but this son Isaac would be the one who all of his lineage, all the stars in the sky would come from this son. And then God says, I, need, I want him back. I'm calling you to sacrifice your son. And what was going on is God was saying, I want you to change from valuing all of your future through the son to valuing me, to seeing that I am the source of all this life. Let's read in Hebrews eleven seventeen. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, see, this was a test, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned. So this is interesting. What, what, what's going on in Abraham's mind? We, we think about this story. This is strange. What's going on? Abraham reasoned that God, if he died, God would raise him from the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. We also see in Genesis the story of Joseph. You know, that. The favored son of Jacob had this special treatment. He got to wear the colored robe. He had a dream of this great purpose that the sun, the moon, and the stars would be bowing down to him. All these other sheaves would be bowing down to him. He would be famous. He would have this great purpose. And then what happens? From is at the top of the sine wave. Any, I need an amen from a mathematician or an engineer or something here. We're at the top of the sine wave. Amen. Okay. Then... Uh, you know, it's all going to be amazing. And uh, then he's put in a pit. He's sold into slavery. And it was by his brothers that sold him into slavery. But what they intended for evil, God intended for good. And it was uh, Joseph crying out in the pit, in the jail, and in, in false accusation, where he saw that the death of his dream was going to bring life for others. This death, burial, and resurrection process is woven in through the Word. And this, this is real life. It's not just some stories that are out there. And I'm going to tell you a couple of stories about my family. Death, burial, and resurrection in real life. Well, we've got a picture up here. And uh, this will be humorous to some of you. Um, I'm about 14 or 15 years old in this picture. And uh, I'll let you kind of strain. There you go. All right. I, uh, I don't have that jacket anymore or the, or the blue and yellow plaid pants. I, I don't have either of those. But uh, this is my extended family. I, um, my aunts and uncles, my grandparents. I think it was my grandfather's birthday. We're all gathered together. And I have... There are 15 grandchildren. I have 14 first cousins. And uh, uh, as I look at that picture, and that's in our house right now, there are 10 of those people that have passed away. Five of them are my first cousins. Five of my generation have passed away. The first was Misty. She uh, was born with a number of birth defects and uh, at, at 18 months of age, she, she, she died from all of the 
things related to that, those complications. I was about six years old. And then there was Michelle. Michelle is the little girl that I'm holding right there. She had Down syndrome, and she had heart problems. And she passed away just a couple of years later. She was nine years old. Uh, then there's Chris. Chris was 19, a freshman at Georgetown University. And he walked out of his uh, dorm and off the campus one night, and he's never been seen again. Don't really know what happened, if it was foul play or his... Uh, what, you know, it's, it's one of these strange, strange stories. The next one was Scott. Scott, my cousin, died at 32 of AIDS. And uh, he's, he was like my closest cousin growing up. We spent our summers together. He was an amazing guy. And there's a story of resurrection in his life. I mean, he came back to the Lord. He got married. He had a child. His wife never got sick. She's alive today, and his daughter has a child. He has a grandchild. There's, so there's, there's redemption in this thing. And then the last one is my cousin Cindy. She died at 45 of ALS, and she left three high school boys behind. So I'm familiar with death. I've been to a few funerals in my life, and... Uh, there's resurrection stories tied to these situations also. And I'm going to tell you one that's really special. So uh, Michelle, when I'm holding her little hands, and, and the story about Misty, who died at 18 months, those were Mike and Dottie's children. My, my uncle Mike Clark and his wife, Dottie Buckner Clark, um, these, had these two little girls, and I believe they also had a stillbirth. So they had these three experiences in their life. Pretty intense. And uh, so what do you do with that? What do you do with that type of experience and loss? Well, uh, what they did is they committed to continue to love children. And they began to adopt children. In 1989, they moved to Guatemala. So they adopted some children in the United States, and they adopted some children in Guatemala. And that's them. They have done this with about over 1,000 children now. It's, uh, if you want to go to the website, it's Casa Alleluia. And uh, so it's uh, actually a very aggressive Christian thing, Casa Alleluia. <laughs> We're not messing around here. In Antigua, Guatemala, and they've taken in special needs children, children that early on that had seen their parents die in uh, civil war, things related to all that was happening in Central America. They have, they started taking in children that needed dialysis, and uh, before they had any way to help them, and now they have a dialysis machine, and so they've, they care for all of these children. It is absolutely crazy. If you look at their, their, uh, <laughs> he sends out a newsletter. It's the funniest thing in the world. He'll say, today, you know, bought 100 pounds of beans, picked up abused child with bruises all over them, paid parking tickets. You know, he just kind of goes through these, like you're going, whoa, whoa. But they've poured out their lives 
And they've seen a resurrection happen that is powerful out of these dreams of loving children. So, now, death, burial, and resurrection doesn't mean, hey, I've got a problem. There's, you know, something wonderful is just about to happen. We know that not everything is wonderful. There's like that one story I said about Chris. It's, it's just mystery and confusion and conversations that happen when we all get together. And I asked my other cousins, you know, what did you do? What happened? It was 10 years before they had a funeral. But Romans 8.28 says something that's so important, and this is what I preach at every funeral that I'm a part of. We know that God, and in, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, I want to tell you what this is, doesn't say. It doesn't say all things are good. All right? And it doesn't say God causes all things. What it says is in these dreams that are crashing down, God will work in that. His will for those who love him, who join their hearts to him and give over these places of death to him, he will work his will. So I'm going to explain this process in just a little bit more detail, okay? First, God gives us good things. We see in James 1.17, every good and perfect gift comes from our Father, comes down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadow. He doesn't have this mood that's going up and down, and we don't really what he really thinks, what his attitude is toward us. His heart toward us is consistent and loving, and his goodness is coming from him. And God wants us to hope for good things. You know, we're not living this insulated life of, don't want to get my heart too far out there, you know, don't want to get your expectations up. He, like I said last week, get your hopes up. Pour your heart out. Love again. Hope again. So he wants us to have and to hope for good things, dreams, desires, and hopes. Yeah, sometimes they come with mixed motives that need purification. Sometimes there's a specific success we want in life or a relationship that we're wanting or wanting something, desiring something is good. But God, just like with Abraham and Isaac, he's saying, I want to be the center. I don't want this other thing to be the thing that has everything that's in your heart. So he brings us through a process of death burial, and resurrection. So what, is, what does this look like? And, and again, this is a principle, okay? You can take this in every situation of your life. In every, you know, we take this on a daily basis. Lord, I lay my life down to you. Come and live your life through me. I am so limited. You are infinite. So what, is, what does death look like? It looks like loss. It's pain, the end of what you'd hoped for. Impossible. This is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane saying, is there another way, but not my will, but yours be done. This is Jesus nailed to the cross. It says at, at, at 
in the third hour, it was total darkness. And his mother and John standing there and him crying out at the last moments, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's, it's death. It's so what does burial look like? It's that season of hopelessness. It's winter and it's late February after you've had four storms and you're going, I'm tired of shoveling snow. It's also this complete relinquishment. It's like the death hasn't just happened. It's, it's like you've been walking there for a while. We can't do this. It's, it's done. Looks like the disciples, as um, Alex referred to, behind closed doors in John twenty nineteen, said on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked because of fear. That's burial. It's like they're in that place, and it's, it's not good, and it hasn't been good, and there's no hope of it being good. The next word are, words are, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. That's resurrection. So I'm just telling you, there's resurrection. As we, as we talk about, you know, I, I purposefully told something about my family because I said, death is real. This is, hey, but it's a part of life. It's a part of God's processes. It's a part of what he does to bring about greater things. This is everything from farming to having your parents die and, and seeing your children grow up. This is, this is life. Resurrection is not how I thought it would look, but it's, it's better. Resurrection is less of me and more of Jesus. Resurrection is... It's like, it's only God. And resurrection is Acts 2. <laughs> 3,000 people being born again in one day. The church being birthed. The purposes of God entering into earth like a freight train. And history being transformed on a massive scale. History changing. So, the real... Death, burial, and resurrection story is about Jesus, right? So that, as uh, C.S. Lewis talks about, everything is, this life is the shadowlands. It's only a reflection. So all these different things I tell you about nature and about our own life, the real thing is Jesus. His death, burial, and resurrection is the core thing in this genetic code of everything that exists. This is how it works. Don't be confused. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 6. Let me read this to you. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you. So that's Paul writing here, but I'm talking to you right now. Brothers and sisters, I want to remind you. The gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand, by this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then to the twelve. 
After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. You know, there's, wow, there's a bunch of people walking around going, this is the real story, though some have fallen asleep. And this, this death, burial, and resurrection, it's centered in Jesus, but it also is the, the center of our lives. This is what's going to happen to those who have given their lives to Jesus. This is the core. I mean, God is redeeming things in our lifetime, but there are times, <laughs> there are times when you're in the middle of death when you're just saying, there's going to be a resurrection. There's going to be a closure of all time. 1 Corinthians 15, 20, later on in that same chapter, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Each in turn. Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. The first fruits, those who... Uh, there's a couple of different interpretations of this. We know that there were people that were immediately resurrected. When, when Jesus came up from the dead... There was so much power released in the earth that people were raised from the dead and were walking the streets of Jerusalem. Life. And then a resurrection. And then, when he comes, those who belong to him. So, in Romans chapter 10, it talks about prayers, you know, as a process, again, of uh, this death, burial, and resurrection at work in our lives specifically. So, so how does this work for us? I'm, I'm just talking to, to all of us today. You know, um, the dream you have is not bad. It may be from God, but you can't accomplish it in your own strength. You need him to be the source of every bit of it. Only God can do this thing. You need to put it in his hands. That's the death. It's like, it's yours, Jesus. My life is yours. My children are yours. My hopes are in you. I lay it down. All this expectation. Abraham said, I trust you, Lord, to raise the dead. Joseph said, I trust God's character to work in this jail cell. My aunt and uncle said, we're not going to stop loving children. I trust you, Lord. He's not called us to be afraid of death. But to show us what life really is. In Romans chapter 10, it says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So this, that is the same process. This is my, I'm doing my sine wave here, okay? Just from the place where we think we're in control of our life. Death, burial, and resurrection. This is saying, you are king, you're God, there is no other. He's written it in nature. He's written it in his word. He's written it in our lives. This is how it works. And I, I, I want to pray with you right now. We're going to worship. The worship team come up here. 
And will you stand with me? And, and I just want you to, to interact with that. First of all, if I'm, t- if I'm talking to some, anyone in here that, that you've said, I'm still the center of my life. You know, I'm not trying to insult you. But, but if you have not given your life away, you're still the center of your life. And there's only one who knows what to do with your life, and that's the one that created you. So I just, I want to, as we're interacting this morning, I, I just want you to do something with your hands, do something with your mouth. Say, I want to give my life to you. I'm going to hold on to this. And that means, in some sense, it's a release, and you feel like you're going down. But I want to tell you, if you... Give your life to him and receive his life. You're going to be resurrected. Losing your life. Unless you lose your life, you will not find it. And for those of us, you know, with we life is hard, right? There's everything from losing family members and friends to all of the myriad of emotional losses we have in our lives. And the way we approach this is we just say, Lord, I I don't deny death. I don't say I'm not pretending. What I'm doing is I'm saying I come to you in the middle of this, Lord. Emotional healing, forgiveness, freedom comes when we just Plant it all back in you. Lord, we just bring this thing back to you. And this, again, this is how we this is how we live our lives. But I want in this moment for you to just say, Lord, I take that pain, this thing that is dead, this thing that is feels buried, this thing that feels numb, Lord, I, I, I give it to you. I release it to you this morning. You just stay in that moment. You could be saying, Lord, save me. I do want your life, Lord. Pour, your, pour this new life into me. I give you all this death. I give you all this pain. I give you all this loss. Lord, now you give me your life. Give me your purpose, your plan. Would you redeem this whole thing? Would you set it right, Lord? Let it be your heart, your dream, not not this thing that I've cooked up and I'm pushing down the road or I'm holding on or grabbing or, or won't let go of. Lord, I let go of it. We give your lives, Jesus. Jesus, be the center. Be our Savior. As we worship, just continue to interact with Him, all right?